0: Uh, chair of an IT group and it's board meeting day. So I'm I'm this is my lunch break from the board meeting.
1: Well cool, you rest no rest for the wicked then. So uh, well I'll let you I'll let you get on. You shouldn't be talking to me. Go on get back to the board meeting. Yeah. <laughs> hello and welcome to e-commerce matters brought to you by Black Curve. We help e-commerce businesses make pricing decisions today's episode is entitled building merchants how to price when you don't have competitor data i'm philip huthway ceo of black curve and i'm delighted to be joined by special guest alan timothy ceo of bubo.ai Buvo significantly improves your net profit within weeks leading edge ai technology and market expertise for dynamic pricing recommendations i hope i've got that right alan they can be found at bubo.ai, and it dovetails very nicely into Black Curves' offering. Hence, why I'm really pleased to have you here, Alan. So, without further ado, let's get cracking. Welcome, Alan. Thank you for
0: that. I'm very glad. To, thank you. I'm very glad to be here.
1: How are you doing today? Where in the world are you? Uh, are you dialing into this this uh, this podcast?
0: Uh, I'm in Richmond, up in the
1: northeast. Ah, not Richmond uh, upon Thames. You, rich Richmond, up in the north. No.
0: Uh, no, the 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 place where William Hague was until recently the sitting MP.
1: Ah, okay, okay. Well, depending on which your political persuasion is, maybe keep quiet or shout about that. I think so. <laughs> so we've got we've got opposite ends of the country here. So I I'm down down in London direction, um, and uh, we've got Alan Alan up up in the north. So we've got conflicting conflicting uh, viewpoints as well, even by even by geography. So um, so Alan, so it'd be great if you could start off by telling us a bit about your background and why why you feel uh, that uh, that you're relevant to talk to us about all your pr- all the pricing related uh, challenges, problems, and so solutions
0: so first of all i'm new to pricing relatively uh, despite the gray hair so i got into pricing about four years ago while working for a very large car parts manufacturer a billion turnover 200 branches and, and i was asked to look at how to improve their gross margin so being a bit of an academic and you i went and looked at all of the things that you could do and what they were doing currently and their options and at the end of a two-year investigation uh, i came to the conclusion that nothing they had been doing or the tools that they had were actually working so i then went back to the drawing board to say if you were starting from scratch what could you do what should you do and how would it work and that was the birth of Bubo AI, forged in the in the, the hard-won areas of gross margin management in a distributor. So, so one of the big problems they had that brought the sort of skills I have, which is as data and data scientist, is they had hundred thousand customers and hundred and twenty thousand products, which meant there were twelve billion variations that you needed to look at so that you could for any given customer on any given day give them a price for that product so with 12 billion for those at least familiar with excel it, it's way in advance of what your typical excel can do the government found that it can't even count covid cases it stood no chance with calculating uh, that one so so You can't use the conventional types of tools, including the pricing tools. You then have to look at new ways. And with my background in data and technology, that's what we do.
1: And so what specifically was that? Was that a eureka moment that you said, oh, hang on a minute, this particular company has got this particular automotive company has got a challenge with making customer-led kind of customer-specific pricing decisions was there a particular eureka moment that said right hang on a minute i'm going to commercialize this and 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 create a company that that solves this particular need
0: yes i mean i'm not unfamiliar to the problem because i used to run a builder's merchants in my younger years uh, and it was exactly the same problem if you've got people coming in you've got a moment of truth uh, and and the person coming in is not going to say oh that's great i love that price can you put another 10% on? It's like, can you not knock, knock a bit more off of me? Can I have it any cheaper? So so the prize here is 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 a big prize, and the eureka moment is knowing how to solve it. Uh, and, and the first thing to solve it is, is, is to start to recognize that customers are all different, and they value different products differently from different suppliers, and even down to the product. So... If you come to the builders merchants if if you're a builder you will be absolutely critical on the price of concrete but you won't care a lot about the cost of timber for a 4b2 piece of wood if you're a joiner you'll care critically about the 4b2 piece of wood and you won't care so much about the concrete so people's views of of products are different people's views on the quality of products different. And, and understanding how to do, how you use that information to give the person the right product at the right price for you and them.
1: So there's a particular challenge in that, isn't it? That that you've, you've already, I think you've already touched upon two, two different challenges that, that I'm picking up on is... You've got multitude of customers, right? Whether you're, especially yeah. from a from a from a building merchant's perspective, you've got the the. I'll put my hand up, the DIY chap who speaks to his speak to his builder and says, right, you can get a better deal down the road if you go to this building merchant rather than going up to B and Q. So I turn up and uh, and try not to wear my suit when I turn up to this one and try try and make myself look look yeah. a bit more like a builder, so I get I get I get maybe a better deal. All the way to you know, you've got the the the, the smaller builders that might be doing one house at a time all the way up to you know what I I'd describe as sort of the bigger commercial outfits that are doing multiple multiple uh yeah. developments right and and I mean we've we've, we've both got experience of, of working with um different sizes of building building merchants and one of the one of the themes is um that one of the common themes is is that there's a seems to be a unique price list almost for for every single every single customer is that something you've yeah. seen as well
0: yes yeah, cer- certainly the starting price list is unique and and then you'll have varying degrees of shaving off it either because of how much you buy or where you are or and, and how the pricing is running in the builders builders merchants but it all starts from the same product price list and then discounted down and, and, and usually through not a lot of intelligence uh, and then coupled on top of the standard price list and those discounts you've got the friday specials or the monthly specials where somebody says oh let's do a deal Uh, and and you do the deal you put your 10 percent off something or 15 percent you'll send it out but nobody then follows through to see see what the response has been and should you've done that to everybody Uh, and one of my little things that used to annoy me was in builders merchant dean we used to do invoice stuffers it was the chief executives we're sending the the invoice out let's give them a, a, a leaflet with a discount on so i always argued we had the best informed finance directors who never bought anything of where the best deals were we never told the guy who was making the purchasing what the deal was so so it's about yeah it, it's a difficult combination of getting the right information to the right people about the right product and understanding what the consequences of that decision is
1: We'll have to get the FD down to make the decisions, the buying decisions, won't we? I don't know how to twist, twist their arms to to, to turn up. James, James. <laughs> Can I have a discount, please. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah. so so, how how are? you know from your experience um today take us through how are building merchants um are pricing today uh, i mean typically um what i've experienced is is that they have a a list price right which might get printed on yeah. uh, printed on a catalog or or more increasing yeah. now obviously uh printed on the website um but but beyond that what 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 happens how, how do they set up all the other customer specific price lists and 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 so forth how, how does that all go about
0: it, the, the most predominant one is discounting bands and the various drivers that the different merchants have for the different bands the most classical is linked to your your monthly spend spend 5000 pounds get 5% off spend 10000 pounds get 10% off uh, and then often that's woven together with some Special project-based discounts and l- interled with other things. So I'm currently doing some work with a builders' merchants that, on the 30,000 customer base, has got 256,000 discount terms in place.
1: Goodness but me! But the words
0: operative, they are discount terms. So, so it's how do you? F- it's what excuse does somebody come up somewhere in the organization that shaves somebody off what, what the recommended retail price is. So th- that level of banding in various forms is the most common. Less common we come across people who price against the competitor that you will see a lot of on the online world. Uh, and if you start to come price, price against your competitor, all that is for everybody in that local marketplace is a race to the bottom because if you're pricing it they'll just go to somebody else and and you it'll just end up everybody not doing very well but it's still out there and generally because there's no better alternatives of how to do it
1: so we'll come back to that in a moment so hold that thought um, so in terms of setting up the the price list at the moment uh you know this these particular um, building merchants that that have you know thirty thousand or so customers and might have thirty thousand or so um, equivalent customer specific terms or, or bandings. How do those terms get agreed originally? Is that is that is that with the FD that, that's agreeing the agreeing the terms? Does does uh, does the the individuals that are turning up and buying buying from the store know know what band they're on? Uh, I mean, it seems like a bit of a logistical nightmare, let alone for the business to to manage it. Uh, you know, I mean, I mm-hmm. I I'd certainly wouldn't remember that I was a. You know, I I, I think I probably only shop at about three stores, if I'm honest, and put my hands up. But I, yeah. I you know, I, I I know that I'm a quote unquote special customer at one of them, but I wouldn't know that that entitles me to I don't know five or ten percent off. Uh.
0: So I think at the point of negotiation, where the salesman comes and it's likely to a customer and you agree some terms, and they are notionally written down and then generally entirely ignored. Because depending on what profession you're in within the building industry, you will know the price of your 10 most popular items to the penny. So for instance, if you're a builder builder, then I can tell you now the cost of, of cement, uh, plaster, plasterboard in particular you you will know to the penny because you're buying it every day uh, and and the current supply situations you may be shopping around but but that's your benchmark when you come to the cost of the shovel even though you may be entitled to a discount on it as long as it's less than 10 pounds you don't actually care and you won't look so the problem you have with the discounted buy bands is on, on the bits that are important, yes, that may work, but then you give him a discount on a shovel where he doesn't care in the first place. So you're giving him money he doesn't appreciate and probably doesn't want really because he didn't know he wanted it in the first place, and you're giving your money away, so you're both losing from that transaction. And that's where the banding problem comes from, but it's negotiated at the point, oh, you'll get 5% of everything, but you don't actually want five percent everything. What you want is five percent of the ten items that you buy every day, which are critical to your line of work.
1: And why do you think it is that, that that the terms are being negotiated to start with if they're being ignored, or do you think there's is there a particular reason they're being ignored? What, what's what's your experience of that?
0: Uh, it, it, it's just the culture that the industry, along with other industries, I would add, have trained the customer. To expect a discount. So, so I, as so I used to run a builders' merchant, so we did the survey. If you ask the builders' merchant staff, what's the most important thing a customer wants is price. If you ask the customer, it's typically number four. So, so number one is, you know, have you got it in stock? Number two is, can you get it to me? No, number three is, what, your know, what time can you get it to me? And and by the way, how much is it going to cost me? Because if you've got 20 men on the site waiting for a delivery of bricks, the cost of those 20 men not doing anything compared to whatever you've managed to save on the bricks is entirely irrelevant. And in the car industry, if you've got a car on a ramp and you need to go home in the night or you leave leaving you loan the car out, suddenly the cost of the part becomes in- irrelevant to the cost of getting the work complete. So th- there's a mismatch between the seller and the buyer What the seller actually wants is the right product at the right place and at the right price, but the right price is the least important of all of the attributes to him. But because we trained them, he goes, can they have it cheaper? And and so when we look at what's driving people to, to do more discounts, there are three drivers. One, the price of the product was wrong in the first place. Secondly. Uh, the person, the branch, or the, or the sales advisor is, is, is needlessly giving money away because he doesn't understand the process. And thirdly, you train the customer so well, he just hammers you and nickels and dimes you. And if you've got somebody who nickels and dimes you with, with a sales advisor who's not very strong, then you're just going to give the money away. But the sad thing of it is, the customer doesn't actually generally appreciate it because he's not going to charge any more f- for building the extension, or any less for building the extension. It just gets lost in the rounding. He's doing it for a game, not for financial gain.
1: Well, I have to say, I mean, I a few years ago we did a big, big extension. I know I'm not representative of the build, the building, building sector from a personal point of view, but we did a big, big extension on our house, and it annoyed me when I, I went to this particular supplier um, and and every time I went I, I couldn't get the rate that I'd agreed last time and it was all and I saw I, I became in a situation where I was annoyed I didn't get as much of a discount as I managed to negotiate this time last time and then when I went in you have this whole expectation so so am I right in thinking that you are passionate about encouraging people to move away from this this banding philosophy is that is that is that what you're trying, yes. to, trying to coach people to, towards?
0: Yes, because if you do the banding philosophy, you will end up giving people discounts on products where they never expected, wouldn't want, or don't care. So, so you are losing out because you're giving the money away. And more importantly, you're giving the money away and you're getting nothing back because the customer is not appreciating the fact that you've given them the discount
1: and ha- so, how do you how do you embark on yeah. that then? So if you've got a a building merchant which you know has has been around for for a number of building merchants been around for decades, right? If Ooh. not if not centuries, yeah. Yeah. and and it's very much ingrained in in culture. And then also because it's ingrained in that company culture, the the customers expect this this I'm going to get five percent mm-hmm. off or ten percent off. How how do you how are you how are you embarking on this? How are you how are you changing hearts and minds?
0: Right. So, so first of all, what we're not doing is not saying you shouldn't give discounts. What we're saying is how you calculate the starting price in the first place. So, we calculate the the starting point by doing customer value pricing. So, understanding what that customer is willing to pay for that product on that day, and and then when you understand how how that or what that customer is willing to pay. Uh, then if you want to put a discount in, you can artificially create an extra 10% on that. So the sales advice, you can give 10% off. So you end up with the price where you want to be. And it's also most importantly, the price where the customer is
1: happy. Okay. So, so you, you know, if you, if you were to engage with, um, a building merchant now, how, how do you get up and running? of this? How do, how, how do they access your, I suppose it might be worth kind of stepping back and actually going back to first place principles. When they're engaging with your company, what is it that you're, what is it that you're giving them? Um, what, is, what is it that they get?
0: So so ultimately what they get is a new pricing file that says for this customer, for this product, charge this amount. And depending on the product and exactly what it is, that could be by by day of week. So to give you an example, one of my clients in the building materials space sells concrete. Concrete on a Monday morning is worth more than a concrete on a Friday afternoon. Because if you wear concrete on a Friday afternoon, the cat walks over it, and you've got to relay it on the Monday. So so there's a premium earlier in the week. So the price is not just for the concrete and the type of concrete, there's also time element. So we give the customer the builders merchants a for this customer for this product on this day charge this price and, and that that specifics so I'll give you some some real examples so if you look at a geographically diverse builders merchants because most of them are these days that then certain parts of the country sometimes referred to as north of the border always want to buy a cheaper product than people in other regions such as where you are that, that they will always want a better quality product so first of all is identifying which product they're likely to want to buy uh, from, from a good or a, you know from, a, from an own label through to a premium brand uh, and how they want to buy it so, so the first element is to look at each customer as an individual customer and not, and not buy a band or... Your know, customers are all unique and they all have unique attributes and they will buy differently. So it's understanding what that price is for that product on that day and that's your starting point. So the way we would engage with the builders merchants is recognizing this is all new. It's the first of all, give me 10 pieces of core data and I'll tell you how much money you're leaving on the table. And that comes at no cost. So a second thing is to do a proof of concept because everybody's very cynical about pricing, as you will know, but they're all in the same game. So we will do a proof of concept on an A, B test. So you do your best bit of, of pricing to these hundred customers, thousand customers, we'll do ours. And we will show you how much money you can uplift your gross margin by in a real situation because in the traditional industry like builders merchants they are they are men of the earth they believe what they see n- not in some geek trying to tell them there's a new mathematical model so you have to prove it and then once you prove it and you you get into it but ultimately it is here is a pricing file that tells you what customer that will will pay on that day for that product.
1: And and just to kind of peel back the curtain a bit, I mean it is it is, I'm right in thinking, what what kind of data do you need to to have access to? You mentioned that you you, you ask for a series of data sets to to show this is how much money you're leaving on the table. What kind of data are you looking at for that?
0: Well for initial bit it, it's the transaction files. So what what has any customer paid for that product over ideally a uh, year uh so we look at it this is very much at the, at the transactional file level so it's the lowest level of data they will have and that's for the first bit where we start getting into uh the proof of concept and the productionization we take in lots of other pieces of, of, of data both internal and external so we will we'll mesh in their transactional file uh, and need their credit terms their payment terms uh site locations uh along with external pieces of data such such as as a loan company or as a partnership such as how long it has been trading so typically when we start to calculate the price we are including between 30 and 50 variables in the methodology that we use to calculate the price for that customer because it is customer by customer
1: and what gives you the credibility for this calculation, I'm I'm right in thinking that this has been developed with some some there is mathematics in it, right? So you know I, oh I, I'm I'm yeah, gonna I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna put my hand up and say that, that my maths is pretty good, but some of the guys that have come up with the models for for us um, for Black Curves uh, pricing engine, uh, uh, you know, is 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 above above my above my pay grade and, and level. So um, you know uh, what 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 is what give us a flavour for for the types of the of decision making and 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 what kind of of minds have created it
0: so so this is into data science so so this is in uh to what some people refer as artificial intelligence uh because the system also learns so so this is ai machine learning and burst computing because if you think of of the, the the client i referred to earlier with 12 million calculation 12 billion calculations to put that through a standard type of server run by another pricing company who I won't name, it was going to take 145 days. So it's not just the mathematics. It's the mathematics integrated into a learning platform coupled with very high-power computing. So the system needs to learn. So if you give somebody a price and they don't accept it, you need to learn that and change the price. Uh, Or if they do accept it, then you perhaps put it up so one of the calculations we perform and this is just a sort of a single give you the prices we will end up with a target price for that product that we think our customer will pay but we also look at what they're paying now against the target price and we do a calculation on their willingness to pay uh, and then that determines the rate we change the price at so some people have ended up getting very cheap products, and they get and they don't really care. They just happen to have got a cheap product one day, a bit like yourself, uh, and it's not to be repeated. So where you start the pricing process at and get them on the journey depends on their willingness to pay. So you've got the two bits: the target price and the willingness to pay, and the, and the process using artificial intelligence that learns every time the customer interacts with the system of not just for the product but for the whole suite of products of of how they reacted did they buy what the price they bought at how much they bought did the volume change and so 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 this is advanced
1: and and so so if, if if you've if you've engaged with a building merchant and they've said yeah I like the sound of that and you, they've given you a bit of data and and they're like yeah okay I can see I can see a need how do you then looking to set up a proof of concept how do you agree or decide which products go into that proof of concept is it mm-hmm. do they do they pick that do you do you suggest you know, how, how what go, what goes into the selection process.
0: Uh, and, and you're right they pick it so we ask them to pick
1: <laughs> the hardest ones of course customers.
0: well well what i've found over the years is if, if if i have anything to say with it the first question i have back is it, it only worked on those because you picked them <laughs> uh, and, and this, this is uh, oblivious to the product uh, you'll make more margin o- gain on the on some than others but you'll make the margin gain so ideally what we'd like to say is here here is a branch you, you take half the customers in the branch we'll take the other half of the customers in the branch to pick four or five product categories so you've got a range of products there rather than necessarily down to the products so if you do say fixtures and fittings you've got screws that you'll sell out by the box load with specialists so let the, you pick them you pick which half of the customers you want you pick which products you want and then we'll take our two systems and compare them to each other uh, and that way this is entirely you know it works and you you set the parameters not me
1: and how are you how are you comparing so how do you communicate that your control group has performed better than um than than the control group of the the customer that's taking part in the proof of concept what's the what's the key what are the key metrics that you communicating that process
0: well because i've got the transaction file feeding in uh, and typically if it's a two-month pilot uh, i'll have had uh, every two weeks the, the the transaction file with what somebody actually paid for the products so at the end of a two-month pilot we can go this is how many times you sold the product this is what you sold it for this is how many times my group bought the product and this is what they paid for this is the delta this is the direction of travel that that is going in uh, and we'll give them that data back so we believe in total transparency so this is not a black box Uh, i mean it it is but it doesn't have to be we'll happily walk you through it uh, and and share you your numbers and our numbers so you can see it so one of the things we also offer people have the capability is, we will train your staff on the models we build, so that you can maintain them going forward if that's what you want to do.
1: And so, you know, is it are you is one of the metrics? I'll start again. One of the metrics that that we track when we're a lot of the time actually this is specifically mm. to to building merchants that seem to be most worried about this yeah. is is kind of average margin, right? and how that how that performs i mean it's a bit of a loaded gun sometimes especially when you're when you're doing price testing but how is that are you protecting average margin do you see a lot of the do you see a lot of the recommendations that you make are actually increasing the price or or just preventing the discount the 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 discount it's almost like you're giving them the safety net to not discount too much
0: I think either way, we're going to increase the price. So, so th- this is calculating the maximum price that that customer's willing to pay for that product. So, so theoretically it could go down, but generally the idea is to go up. So the other way I describe the, this is, you're going to set a price for a product. If you sold 100%, so everybody came and asked you about red bricks, bought at your price you are too low so there's a number as a percentage generally we recognize about 75 percent which is the optimal between the volume you can achieve and the margin you can achieve and and, and we've got this 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 line and you you're moving it up or down so you're maintaining your volume against the margin you achieve now the other thing that that also lets you see is If a manufacturer comes to you, the builder's merchant says, I'd like you to sell more of these, the system will tell you uh, what discount level the volume will be. Or if you want to sell this many of this product, this is the price that you will need to put it at because that's the elasticity in your customer set.
1: And, and what if the so product hasn't sold before? How, how do you go about that? Do you, do you, do you leave that alone? Uh, or do you, are you primarily supporting the, the decisions on the core product set?
0: We are predominantly supporting decisions on the core sets. But what we would do is new products is look for like products. Uh, if it's something that, that's never been had before, clearly you and I are both you know, in the blind. Uh, until you put it out and marked and tested it. So, so this is generally looking at the day to day, the, the 30,000 products that they've had in stock this year, last year, the year before, and will next year. A brick's a brick. Uh, I stopped being a builder's merchant in 1992, and a brick's still a brick.
1: <laughs> although although now we all seem to be spending money on old bricks because we like the look of them. That's that's the that's the that's that's the the, the irony of it all. Uh, and I have to say I've 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 looked at a number of our customers' product lists and all the new stuff seems to have lasers in it. I'm quite jealous of it. everything. Seems to have lasers in it. It's like laser guided measuring uh, kits and all sorts. So uh, so clearly clearly I picked I picked the wrong trade. I should be I should be on the other one. But uh all very futuristic. Um, so thank you thank you, Alan. So. In, in terms of, I mean, I think we've we've managed to talk for thirty minutes without talking about uh, the c-word, um, and uh, that is that is uh, coronavirus and, and COVID. I mean, what impact have you seen that this particular um, pandemic causing the uh, the building merchants?
0: It, it's caused them product shortages. So, so, as some of the big plants, uh, so the, the brick manufacturers, the cement manufacturers. Have have put, shut their plants in in, in 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 response to the government's requests. That's not started up because to get a brick plant going is a six-week project. So so the supply of raw materials hasn't followed the demand from DIYers like yourself uh, and and the building profession that's kept going. So you've got a, a potentially the ability to put the price up but how much do you put the price up relative to upsetting your long-term customer? How do you distribute products among amongst your customer base? If somebody new comes in, how much you know, do you let them have product? So it's around the supply and demand situation, which is short-term until the production catches up with the, uh, the, the ability of the market to take those products. And, and that's probably the biggest challenge out there today.
1: Yeah, I mean I I'd certainly agree with that. Um, because I mean, we we help um, the reason that I I'm, I'm so pleased to have Alan on here is because it, it we dovetail quite nicely. So Black Curve supports with the pricing decisions of the online space. So, so the building merchants yeah. that are that are selling online, maybe to to the likes of myself, right, who just wants to buy the occasional product, okay. And uh, and you're supporting. Um, sometimes, actually, a lot of a lot of from a building merchant perspective, the majority of their customers might walk into the physical store and might turn up. You know, they're physically loading the goods onto their vans or, or trucks or equivalent, right. Yeah. And so. During well, the one thing that I very much found, um, and we've we've touched upon it earlier about competitor data and 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 being and being mindful or or actually ignoring it probably is sometimes a better a better decision. And I'll ask you about how you tackle that in, in a moment. But certainly during the COVID era, um, the we've really supported the online players by using the supply metrics in the pricing decision. So it means that. If you're not going to be restocked or, um, or you've only got a, a certain amount of stock each week of a product, because you can track the supply, you don't sell that product too cheaply. Okay, because that's like that's that that hurts. That really hurts when you when you do that. And ju- yeah. definitely during the early stages of lockdown, um, the the building merchants that had turned on that particular functionality and used used supply driven decisions in their from their pricing massively outperformed the ones that the ones that didn't. And and as we kind of you know, are we going to enter in a second lockdown? We won't talk about that, but but because yeah. that will open up a whole can of worms. But yeah. there's a potential that that might happen, and therefore. Although I'm pretty confident that, that, from what I've been reading, supply chains have got uh, are are ramping up quite nicely yeah, to you. support the next um, the next the next potential lockdown. You've got to make sure that you consider you know you've, the data sets you've 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 mentioned is transactional data. You know during during the COVID era, actually supply data, stock data became really valuable um when making decisions yeah. and and actually as we eased out of lockdown we certainly found our algorithms were were taking the foot off the gas uh, on that particular part of of the decision making right because because oh well if, yeah. if supplies are plenty you know you don't you don't need to you don't need to worry and i think i think this comes back to the earlier point around people expect you know an assumption that people expect expect to get a discount or they've been trained to get a discount a lot of us know we're in covid a lot of us know we're in lockdown a lot of us know there's there's a supply problems so we're not going to get pissed off or upset if if the price goes up slightly because it can be that can be communicated, right? Because we know supply chains are, are in trouble. It's when it's when you get into a price gouging territory, which again we'll, we'll say for another day that you're taking advantage. That that's that's an absolute yeah. no-no. But but it's using it's using all the data sets to your to your advantage. So I mean, to come back to um, competitor data, because I mean, I think we primarily up to this point spoken about when you don't have access to competitor data. It's using it's using your transactional data and and so forth in in your space so when there's you know one potential customer even a customer of yours has got like 30,000 when they start working with you 30,000 customer specific prices do you can you even fathom getting competitor data for 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 one of your your customers competitors if they themselves have got 30,000 you know customer is it is it a is it a fool's game to, to, to try and get access to it what's your what's your experience been?
0: So, so it's a very difficult game certainly so the only way you can get the true price as opposed to the price that's that's claimed is by looking at either a quote or an invoice uh, and we've developed an app for the sales team who if they're in a customer is going oh I'm going to cheat for it. Down the road show me the quotes they can take a picture of it and that feeds directly into the algorithm so you can't but that's not covering 30,000 products every day it's getting the odd snippet of where things are going but there's still a danger of following it down because this is about what people are prepared to pay in buying that product from you. And what you are supplying them with is more than a product. Supplying them with a credit line, you're supplying them with a delivery function, you're supplying them with a delivery within a timeline and the certainty of it. So the price they are paying is not the price from the product. And the price from somewhere else might be less, but if you can't get it to the site, it doesn't make any difference how cheap it is. The competitor price is only part of a much more complicated jigsaw, and and if it wasn't, people like Marks and Spencers and John Luce wouldn't exist.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I th- I mean, I think they're, they're they're sometimes the cheapest, but by and large, they're they're not right. So you know, no. they're,
0: they're, and, and they don't try to be, but people they are, they're offering something that other supermarkets, an example, little little and all beyond offering but there's still plenty of people going to Marks and Spencers. i go and get my christmas dinner thing from there and i can tell you how big the queue is it's out of the door and around the corner and they are definitely categorically not the cheapest but their offer in terms of quality uh, in terms of the whole experience is different there there is different people in the market so just because you're not the cheapest doesn't mean to say people won't come to you and buy if the rest of your offering, in terms of your, you know, how many days credit you give, you know, all of those things, make up the total price somebody's prepared to pay, not just the product.
1: And I'll come back to something that you said earlier that I, that I, as a term that I really like is willingness to pay, right? And I think, yeah, that from. from everything is what you're trying to use the data to support you to identify what is the customer's willingness to buy this product now at at a certain price okay and you're using all the cues to help you work out you know do you work out from different angles what that is right and if you're if only you're looking at competitor data it's simply who is going to blink first Okay, that's not that's got nothing to do yeah. with the customer's willingness to pay. It's just who's got the the biggest uh, uh, pockets, I suppose, for want of a better word, or who's willing to accept a lower margin than than your nearest neighbor. Whereas, even if, if in your space, you're using data sets, uh, you know, like, what what have customers previously paid for this product? And how can I use that yeah. to work out? Well, hang on a minute. Well, well, if I know uh, this customer is ten times the size of this other customer, and they're willing to pay a higher price, you know, wh- wh- I should—I don't need to give it at this lower price for this other customer. It's about using all of the various different terms to kind of just just bring yeah. it all together and synthesize it. So, so say, so let's let's come back. So you've done your proof of concept with. And with a building merchant, and they 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 like it. They they sign up with you. How do you you know? Do you rip up the rule book? Then do you say right? Let's stop. Let's 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 get rid of these thirty thousand uh, terms. Let's go go with our go with our suggestions. How do you manage that with them? How how do you, is it is it a uh, you take more and more products over time? How how's it, how's the relationship go from there?
0: Uh, and the answer is very much what they would like to do, uh, and we said we've done it where let's just do one product group at a time and let's move it out because it's generally you've got to do it with other things so you have to put it with some staff training because the staff have had all of this years have been beaten by customers and they think they have no power when they do have the power because it was like no I'm not going to sell you the bricks you can't build a house so it's it's very much perceived as the customer has all the power and, and the sales advisor has no power No, they have different power, and and it's a mutual respect. So it's giving the right price and helping the sales advisor understand that. So I'll I'll, I'll tell you what I mean by that. Uh, And so it's a car parts one. I was in uh, a branch, and the the call came for a customer, and the sales advisor looked at the price of the product. And his, his immediate comment was, that's expensive. Let me see what I can do. The the, 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 the customer could have had a Rolls-Royce on a ramp that had to go out that night and he didn't care about it. But these but the sales advisor always assumed the price was the answer and it wasn't the answer. And you've got to train the staff that it's not the answer, it's part of the answer. So we will inter. We will roll it out in a in a way that fits with them, branch by branch, depending on their ERP system, product group by product group. But it's done best alongside educating the staff as to why you're doing it, and and that, that it's not detrimental to the customer. It's actually positive to the customer and positive to you.
1: And and sometimes, I mean, change management. I think sometimes. Um, a lot of a lot of software implementation, a lot, a lot of projects, non-software projects. where they forget the human beings that are using them, right? And yeah. and sometimes the change management piece is a bigger a bigger piece than it than right. it's than itself. Um, you know, if you are to get kind of value out of this this product, I just I want to touch upon something which you mentioned earlier. Um, do you how, do, do you work out? For example, what the what the average discount is being offered, and then does does the algorithm calculate what the right price is, and then put the discount on top of it, and then that's what's communicated, or do, are you sending off kind of two prices? How how do you how do you avoid how, how do you manage the change management piece if it's going to take a longer time to to to, to train um, staff members out of out of old habits?
0: Right. So so if assume we're not training them. And and we know they're going to give a customer a discount. Uh, We we know whatever range we give to sales advisors, on average, they will always give things in the bottom third of that price range. They they will never stick to the top third of the price range. So so knowing where what that delta looks like between what we want them to what we think the price is and where we're going to get to when we give them a range, we put our price in in that bottom third so they're going to give the customer a discount it feels good because he's got the discount uh of the perceived discount but we still end up on our target price but, but coming back to it the, the whole model looks at the conversion rate so, so that the, the volume to price is always remained constant so so if your volume starts to drop you can drop the price to put your volume back up so in terms of the sales advisor his quantity of sales is always the same albeit his gross margin contribution is rising
1: and are you calculating the discount from the list price or are you communicating specific raw prices for each each customer how, how, how does how, how does that work so
0: so we are calculating almost the starting prices of academic interest we are calculating what that customer is willing to pay because sometimes the 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 list price can be wrong so when we look at where where a a builders merchant is losing margin or there's constant discounting going on it it could be that the product price is set wrong in the first place because the concept of setting a list price is usually just totally arbitrary there's no signs to it whatsoever, and sometimes it's set wrong, so you see excess discount because that's set wrong in the first place. So secondly, as I you said, you've got the sales advisor uh, that, that, that feels his only trick in, in, his, in his bag is to offer discounts. So I can tell you as a general principle, 80% of the discounts come from 20% of your sales advisors. So so but you you won't know until I've shown you is which ones they are.
1: Name and shame, is that uh <laughs> is No, that no <laughs> it's
0: n- name and train.
1: <laughs> and and uh, how how uh, do how do these um how do you set the the, the prices online. I suppose that's that's kind of moving into into our territory, right? In terms of, um, I mean, we we actually see a disconnect with a lot of lot of our customers that their online price is almost like treated as a separate customer. It's almost sort because of, it, sort of, it is to a certain extent, it is a different, completely different customer profile. I mean, increasingly, um, especially. Because of COVID, we're seeing um, we're seeing a shift to maybe some of the some of the customers that would have historically gone into the store of actually using using the online on using the various apps or or mm. using using the online online website. Um, so uh, so how how are you how are you experiencing witnessing them them setting the prices for the online store? I mean, is that what kind of pricing strategies are you seeing the the building merchants use for for the list price or the or the website price? Sure. So, so in
0: terms of the website I, I see it in two ways what one is the headline price to get people to engage with them that would be the consumer type i'm going to buy and secondly is the customer who has an online account so so the online account which is just like going into the store but it's online is much easier because you've got the full data set the problem with somebody coming to uh the the, the online as a virgin without any history it's getting that price low enough to attract them in because they probably don't appreciate the whole value uh, and that's more the areas you do which is looking at what competitors are are putting products out there for uh, and and generally what's happening in the industry and that's much harder to to be scientific in the way we do the other half about it it falls much more into your into your camp but, but they need to improve at all. Where, where I get frustrated with builders merchants is you need the both. You need the online store to attract people in, but you also need to give your regular customers an opportunity of logging in where you can give them the bespoke prices. Uh, otherwise, they're not gonna get the price the one that they're gonna get disjunted, or you end up having to lower the prices of your online store so low that you're giving money away and it starts to impact on customers who are paying more in the, in, in the branches. Uh, and we've seen that as well. Uh, and, and that causes the conflict in the builders' merchants where the people doing the on price are putting prices l- online lower than they're achieving in the store.
1: Absolutely, and I mean, I think that's why I, I'm a firm believer in as much transparency and as much communication between between the various teams. Yeah. And and one of my first things when I go into uh, well, it's any any company, but you know, because we're talking specifically about um, I'm talking about any comp- company that has multiple customer types. You know, uh, and, and building yeah. merchants, building merchants is one of them. You've mentioned automotive mm-hmm. is a is a is another one, and there are many other examples of it. Is making sure that the, the pricing teams, the people responsible for are are if they're separate entities. So if the online is managed by the marketing team and the and the and the price lists I don't know, managed by the FD, for example, in, in a lot of cases, yeah. making sure that they're tightly in tuned. Because there will be a time, if they're not tightly in tuned, where some some clever bod who normally got rocks into the store decides, you know what, I'm just going to search online and have a look. And it's like, well hang on a minute, what what is this? Like this product is is so much cheaper online, or 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 even the even the reverse of? Hang on a minute, I've get a fifty percent discount. Right? Why am I getting a fifty percent discount on other products? You know, so it can work. It can work kind of both ways, and so I think making sure that they're that they're in sync. Um, I mean, certainly, I'm just conscious of conscious of time, but certainly to kind of whistle stop through um, from us using using the data sets available. Whilst you don't can't can't necessarily do customer specific pricing because you have the ability of having a login and not having to display to each customer what their prices are you can still use the sales history voting with the clicks of right what price point has it been historically how well has that price converted and that tells you what is the what is the willingness to pay for that for that particular particular product okay um i mean and then that that's that's primarily what 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 black curve does that's how primarily how we yeah. we make we make the decisions okay um, i mean we do have the ability to dovetail competitor data on the top of that but actually the, the 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 maths is using the sales data as the primary driver because that is that is that is that is people's clicks that is people's, that's, that is the people's will, that's, that's the reality that's, that's what's cool. happening right okay yes competitor data It's using using this over here the the sales history to work out where competitors have changed the price how much how much has this influenced it versus what the competitors are doing and then that enables you to to over time work out is this product market driven as in I have to maintain parity for parity or do I have such a good brand or such a good supply or such a good return policy or whatever it is that means I Ooh. can ignore I can ignore I can ignore the competition you know I mean I I I'm summarizing you know a hell of a lot of hell of a lot of maths in in a short yeah. space of time but that's primarily what 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 we're, what we're trying to do here and I think treating to a certain extent yes you do have different customer buyers on your online world but actually because your price is there for all to see, you've got to treat them as kind of one entity. And then, if you want to do then customer specific pricing, that's when you use things like coupon codes or uh, or special marketing emails or, or so forth to do that more yeah. that more um, you know I suppose personalized personalized shopping experience. Um, so I think I think you know, c- competitor data is useful to a degree, but uh, but it's not it's not it's not the answer. There's there's many there's many many no. many data sets. So, uh,
0: so the key, f- I think, what we both bring is the world that builders, merchants, and indeed other people operate is getting more complicated. There is more data. It is moving faster. And you can't do an Excel spreadsheets anymore you you need to move to tools that match the speed and the complexity of the problem you're trying to solve and if you don't you'll get left behind and you get left behind and leave money on the table. leave money on the table in your online world, leave money on the table in your branches world and the, the money you leave there is, doesn't do you any good either. And that's the sad thing about it. You leave it there and the customer doesn't feel any better about you.
1: And, and, and one of the words that, that, that seems to be the buzzword flying around and is very true is digital efficiency. The the, the, the businesses that are doing well, have to perform well during COVID and will continue to perform mm-hmm. well are those that are investing in automation, um, in smarter decision making and, and certainly you know leaving money on the table it hurts right <laughs> it hurts yeah. and actually you know it's it's there's there's some complex maths that are the behind it but actually once you crack it the returns are huge the returns are massive yeah. like these these are these are these are the ability to hire like if you if you get this money back you can invest in other parts of your business, if it's uh, if it's not if it's not a private a private equity backed business, and it's I don't know a family building merchant, mm-hmm. you know you, you this is like dividend changing moments, right? So this yeah. is this is this is but massive. For
0: every one percent we can re- raise your gross margin, that's typically a ten percent increase in your net profit.
1: I have some of that. Uh, so I think it, it, it is, this is material, right? This is this is this is it's not it's not uh, it's not woolly uh, woolly metric. This is tangible financial returns in your back pocket by getting by getting pricing back. And it's not going to happen overnight, right? It, it, you know, but it is no. it is. But once you've installed it, it's iterative, and within 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 a few months, you're getting these sizable returns. And then throughout the first year, you've banked a hell of a lot of a lot of returns from this. So um, so I think just as we just as we look to wrap up there, Alan, was there anything else that you like to like to like to like to say at this stage.
0: No, thank you for having me. I'm sure if anybody wants to talk to us, we'll be in touch. Uh, and the the data discovery bit is free.
1: Well, there you go. So uh, you can find out more about um, Alan's company at bubo.ai. Thank you very much, Alan, for for joining us today. Uh, I, I've, I've learned a lot about a lot about your business and uh, and I think uh, I look forward to continuing our partnership as, uh, as the months and, and year progresses. So we have been Black Curve. This is our podcast, E-Commerce Matters. We help e-commerce businesses make pricing decisions. This podcast is available on all major podcasting platforms. Look forward to welcoming you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.